Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you now, are. Now, this is where you say who you are. I forgot who I am. Yeah, you're... And, and also auto favor. Oh, you're and right. we are 35-year Wall Street professionals who've had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with a handful of candid stock ideas each week. You've heard our voices on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. You might have seen our faces on TV as well. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've taken on secret identities and uh, disguised our voices in order to provide you with these ideas. You don't disguise your voice. No, I don't, but I say that I do. And so this week, it's uh, July 31st, 2017. If you're just tuning in to the value, guys, we're going to provide you with, I don't know, five or six really terrific stock ideas this week. That's the meat of the show. Um, But there could be some other Wall Street banter, who knows, could have some guests drop in, what have you. But before we get to all that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, we're professionals during the week. We do a lot of careful analysis, talk to management teams, do models, etc. We're doing none of that here. We're being very careful to do as little work as possible. Third, we may not have your best interests in mind. I mean, I almost certainly do. I can't speak for Otto. Uh, he may have some of your interest in mind. I have none. This is Val. Okay? And then we may own or not own these stocks. We may be buying or selling them. My compliance officer is listening. I'm absolutely not even involved in them. But for you, the listener, just assume we're doing something that's good for us, not as good for you. And then finally... I don't know if that's always true. Well, see, auto brings some uh, like better morality to the show. And then for me, I'm drinking. I'm drinking this week. Well, that's always true. So, um, July 31st, 2017, before we get into a handful of names, I'm going to turn it over to Otto, who is providing us on a weekly basis with his market commentary. I hope. Anyway, we didn't talk ahead of time. Yeah, we really didn't. You've got something. Yeah, I'll throw a few minutes on on the floor. All right. Um, Well, you know, what can you say? The market continues to uh, move forward, even given uh, all the... um, Call it noise out of Capitol Hill. So, which goes to show you that uh, the market really doesn't care. There's highs, new highs, right? New highs. And uh, today was a little mixed. Uh, we had, uh, you know, some things go on in uh, on the Nasdaq, for example, kind of pulled back a little bit. But we've had some, you know, like you said, higher highs, and uh, we continue to see, you know, pretty much decent um, activity among the technology names. You know, now what I we talked about before, and I would tell listeners to pay particular attention to some of the more industrial sectors and um, feeling that I think we're starting to see some sort of transition. I'm not saying that you take the foot off the gas on technology, but I think we're starting to see some life in some of the industrial names. You know, I mean, well, we've really? seen, yeah, well, we've seen a lot of life in a, in a lot of names already in the industrials. I mean, Caterpillar, Ingersoll Rand, a name that you know. I mean, that's a, I, yep. And, uh, uh, I wasn't paying attention to that one, though, I have it, to admit. And uh, just a tremendous amount of, I think, attention now being paid to some of the more uh, nuts and bolts uh, names in in the marketplace. So we talked about before uh, taking a look at maybe some of the energy names. We thought it was a little too early uh, when we talked. Was it two weeks ago? A couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'm not tracking it. Um, but yeah, you were yeah. talking about a rotation yeah. into so uh, I think energy. We're yeah. now starting to get to that point. I mean, oil had made a nice rebound uh, from the uh, kind of lower mid 40s to uh, knocking on the door of 50s, and uh, we're starting to see, I think, some stability in those markets. Where going forward, I think might be a better investable landscape for energy. Auto, oh, no, wait, I want to interject. Okay, Just go ahead. Interject. Yeah. Energy prices. Um, I've got some energy stocks in my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And they've been whacked here because evidently there's now a new concern that we're not going to be moving above 50 per barrel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. How could that possibly be true? Why wouldn't we be moving above 50? Um, we've got OPEC back in business controlling, you know, trying to control supply. Mm-hmm. We've got fracking wells that have shorter lives than oil wells traditionally did. we got all kinds of drilling companies reporting losses so people aren't drilling what isn't this an obvious point point in time to you know maybe wade back in here? I think that's what you were saying a few weeks ago. Right. I mean, but you know, keep I mean, in look mind. At this. I'm on Morningstar right now. Okay. While well, live, it says low cost oil is here to stay. Right. I'm not no. buying that. Right. Are we, you? What? Well, that's when you want to. Right. I mean, when you're in the commodity, when you're looking at commodities, and people are telling you, you know, that you're at a level, and looking at that level, either stain or when oil is at 100, that this can go to 140. I mean, these are kind of telltales in the market with commodities that I think really spell to some great investable uh, opportunities, especially when oil has been getting hammered for a while here and we've seen a slight rebound. And, you know, looking at it going over 50 or not going over 50, I think the new world order for many of these companies is they're adjusting to lower oil prices. So what that means is expenses are much better in control. Acquisitions are coming into place. You're seeing synergies come to the bottom line from those acquisitions and just a better management of overall operating uh, efforts. So with that in mind, I would tell people that, you know, with the pressure that we've seen on energy prices, it created some real operating efficiencies in these companies. And you want to be careful to pick those companies which which uh, display that. Huh. Well, that's good insight, Otto. Um, while you were talking, I just was pulling up a chart. You know, I pay so attention, so much attention to my portfolio, things we're looking at, that I sometimes lose track of the big picture so i just you know for listeners sake what the heck i've just pulled up a a chart here or a table the market is up 11.4 percent year to date i mean that's pretty good there's a lot of concern as you were saying politically but that's pretty good and the best performing group that i'm seeing on this page is u.s technology up 22 percent. There you go. Yeah, it's been a big winner. Big and then winner. the other one that's a bit surprising to me as a traditional small cap guy are uh, is that U.S. not only small cap but small cap value the best performing group, large cap growth auto. Yeah. So for that, a while that's been like that for a while. It's like a yeah. broken record. Yeah, and and so uh, that, you know that can't go on. But it, I think it just suggests that there's <laughs> probably been saying that for like yeah. two years, well, right? Three years. You know, there, it just means there's even better value in uh, in value. So to well, speak. that's what we look at, right? I mean, we yeah. look for opportunity on the value side and uh, looking at uh, mispriced stocks and hoping that we get directionally the moves that uh, we're hoping for, given some of the research or let's say. Uh, you know, insights that we try to give our re- our uh, listeners. I almost said readers. 
Well, we have readers. Do we have this readers? is being transcribed in 14 nations. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, it's part of the curriculum in a handful of uh, Middle Eastern countries. That's value tremendous. Guys. Yeah, yeah wow. no, it is. Um, I didn't Mo- know that. Momentum, uh, one, of the, one of the guys who's out there, he, he got struck that deal a few years ago. Well, good that's for why him. This, yeah. That's why this big, all this cash is flowing in here. Oh, it's from those deals I that uh, Mo, Mo signed. So, um, Otto, did you bring any stock ideas this week? Or, I brought uh, a few, and I also brought some wine, too. As you've been seeing right here. Oh, yeah. Which is a really nice little blend. I picked this up, and I would tell listeners, I mean, this is what I call porch pounding wine. Porch? Porch pounding, yeah. Porch you know, you're pounding. sitting on your porch. You want to, you know, oh, you're not going to. pounding. Yeah, you're not going right. to grab, a, okay. you know, a $90 bottle of wine. I mean, you're, you're going to sit with some friends and uh, have this. And it's called House of Cards. This is a blend, a uh, Napa uh, blend. And I would encourage people to take a look at this. I just think it drinks wonderfully. It's just the, uh, I, now, you know, when I say porch pounding, I don't mean to dismiss the quality here. Okay? Well, the label is very nice. It's yeah. very simplistic, very nice. And uh-huh. to me, that suggests that they, you know, really know what they're doing, at least in the at wine. Because the, the marketing label, they it, must right? not know yeah. what they're doing. So, um, but, but again, you know, we always try to bring some value. And yeah. this would be my, uh, call it, uh, selection of a good value red wine that you could serve and, I, you know, drink. And I think very, com- com- let's say, competitively, uh, it, it tastes right in line with some of the better wines out there. It's, I think I was uh, somewhat impressed when I drank it. Well, I want to point and some- I'm a, I really You're hard to impress. Yeah, hard to I impress. Know. Well, I want to point something out to listeners. Um, that, um, you know, maybe they'll appreciate. Who knows? Maybe they won't. You can fast forward at any time. Stock ideas ahead. But we've been doing this show a long time, and I have to admit, we've been drinking on the show for a long yeah. time. Uh, too much. And we, you know, sometimes would say what we were drinking, sometimes not. But I think, Otto, you've brought a new level of expertise to the show with regard to um the, the beverages that we're enjoying during right. the show. And I think there's a lot of longtime listeners that probably really appreciate that because it's been missing right. for, well, I mean, a decade. And now, bam, here it is. Right. No, I mean, everybody wants, you know, a good $20, $30 bottle of wine that's a go-to wine, you know, that they can reach over and, and grab. So this is my selection. I think it, I was uh, very impressed. This is, um, first time I cracked this and uh, – you know, let it sit for a bit, and, you know, it's a great blend. Really House of good. Cards, I think that's trading on the NASDAQ. Something I don't like think that. it is. Well, let me kick off. I'm going to do an idea. <laughs> I, I got a little carried away. First of mm-hmm. all, longtime listeners know that, of course, the history of the show is years ago we used to do uh, value line. Uh, you know, we, we'd get the weekly value line, pick some names out. That didn't work out. Yeah, well, value line tried to shut us down. There's a whole show on that many years ago. It's interesting. I was uh, I was a little... A little bothered by that. In any case, not a problem. They're not great move stock on. pickers. Move we on. moved on. Move and on. we started doing screens. There's all kinds of screens you can do. And there's if you go back a few years of shows, thevalueguys.com and on iTunes, there's a bunch of great screens in there. And so what I did this week was I did uh, just a screen. Where, where can you get these screens again? Well, I ran this on a product called Charts, which I hope they don't mind me talking about. Um, but you can run these screens on other 
things. You could do it on Bloomberg, FactSet. You could do it uh, probably Yahoo Finance. There's, I like simple, simple screens. Just no, I don't agree. want to get too fancy. Right. So no, here's what it's this is. a great one way is. for investors to find opportunities. You just want an inbox, things right. to look at, you know. But sometimes you can crank some of these metrics down, and it's really interesting what happens. So, um, so let me tell you about the screen, everybody. We got you start with twenty one thousand equities. That includes international and domestic, et cetera, and things that are you know worthless as well. Then, if you take just U.S. exchanges, that brings the total down to seventy five hundred yeah. stocks. Then I just want market caps over two billion. Why? Because um, I just think that there's more liquidity. Listeners might like that a little more. I have done small cap shows, but today, large cap, mid and large. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. I got a small cap. Well, you can do a small cap. Okay, all right. Of course. So once you do over $2 billion, that's 1,700 names. We're getting it down. Then I said, how about I want stocks that have the bottom 20 percentile of – Returns year to date. The bottom. <clears throat> to, yeah, the worst performers, the bottom oh, 20% okay. right. of performers right. year to date. Now, I only got 125 results, and I think that's because a lot of these companies, for whatever reason, um, didn't have prices. That's all I can assume. Or they were, uh, you know, I, I can't explain that. This is Y charts. But I have 125 names. Greater than two billion in the bottom twenty percent. Again, that doesn't make any sense of returns. Now I want to look at a good balance sheet. So better than five times interest earns that led to thirty-four names, and then debt to capital greater than thirty percent that led to fourteen names. Greater than thirty percent. I'm sorry, less than. Oh, okay. Thank you, yeah. Otto. All right. Less than thirty, because if you've got a stock that's not working, you at least want to have time to hold it while they fix it, and you got to make sure. You have a good balance sheet, and you can cover the interest, et cetera. That left 14 names, of which four of them are retailers. And, of course, Amazon is scaring the crap out of everybody that Mm. there's not going to be any need for retail. Right, yeah. And then there's some distributors. Again, everyone's afraid that Amazon's going to, you know, I guess sell everything. And a couple of other little things. But um, that's the screen, 14 names, and I picked uh, three. The first one I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to go through this quickly because I've done really very little work this week, but it's called MSC Industrial, MSM. They're a big distributor, $4 billion in market cap, $3 billion in revenue. They've been around forever. The stock's off its highs. I think it got up to about uh, 105 It's pulled back to 70 Of course, it's near its low. That's why it got near the screen. It's got a good balance sheet. Again, the screen is helping us out. And my thesis on this is simply that uh, these guys are going to stay in business a long time. They're way different than Amazon, which sells things that you already know how to use, right? I mean, no one's asking Amazon how to read a book or how to, you know, work an appliance, right? These guys... They sell one million products. Most of them are parts that go into things. And then they have 6,000 experts that can talk to the guy on the phone and tell him how to put the part in the place where you need it to work. They also sell things that when your machine breaks and your million-dollar-a-week factory goes down, 
they can bring you a part that probably costs a dollar, and I can tell you what, they're going to charge you $3 for that. They've got very nice margins on a handful of products that can shut down factories, and that's a nice thing. Uh, the stock is trading at a low uh, in terms of multiples because of this fear of Amazon. There's no way Amazon is going to have a million products in the industrial landscape, 6,000 people that know how to work all that stuff, and then relationships with 3,000 suppliers uh, in industrial products. So I think they've got a niche. It's 10.4 times EBITDA. I like to flip that around and look at a yield. So EBITDA over enterprise value, 10. That's 10%. And then this thing's going to grow at least with GDP, probably more because they're so efficient they're going to continue to gain share from mom and pops. That's a 13 to 15% cash-on-cash return. And as a kicker, it gives you a dividend yield of two and a half percent. MSM, MSC Industrial is the name of the company, and I'm just in full disclosure. I do not own it. I'm not about to own it. But after listening to myself, I'm now interested. I have to admit that. Yeah, you should yeah. be. So where are they located? Uh, they are in. Let's see, New York, New York. Headquarters state, New York. How about that? Wow. Way to go, New York. Yeah. Thank you for that great company. Um, and my guess is, I may have talked about this in a past show, that somehow they're related to the benefits of the great state of New York that enjoys from the Erie Canal. Just possibly. Maybe not. Anyway. So, M- <laughs> MSC Industrial, ticker MSM. Over to you, Otto. Wow. That's, yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. good choice. Thank good you. pick. We got to start, you know, I really want to start tracking these because I think how do we, for the listener, have any credibility if we don't, you know, track Why would we want any credibility? Well, I understand that. (laughs) Well, first of all, a couple of things on that. Uh Listeners are free to write these names down. I think there is a gentleman now managing our Facebook page. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Yeah, thank you. And putting out little pieces about this and uh, helping listeners. So that Facebook page actually could be a center of, you know, where we're tracking this stuff. Well, having a Facebook page alone, I think, gives you some credibility. Well, there's pictures of us there also. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. costume, though. I don't Facebook, but I bet you it's nice. No, but the value guys do. Yeah. Evidently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. So you you have an idea? All right. Can I put my vacation pictures on there? We obviously we, we take, always have. I wouldn't take my own picture. I would just we you know, we the value guys have a history of putting moment. up the vacation pictures. Okay, good. Yeah, there's some right. famous shots of the value guys, for example, at Stonehenge, oh, many years ago. Where else would it? Yeah, be? yeah, of course. Okay, well, kicking off uh, idea number two, six. <clears throat> sorry, uh, seven hundred million market cap name, uh, located out of Texas. And um, the name of the company is called Rent a Center. Now, this is a rent-to-own play. Now, this has been, uh, in many ways, in a, uh, a company which had been um, doing very well in Rent a Center, and then kind of got off the tracks a little bit, and things started uh, basically imploding from margins to inventory to a number of things. So 
let's just kind of give you the background here. It's uh, lease ownership, so you know you go in. These are people who you know want to own some of the some of the nicer things, but maybe not have the credit quality. But yet, you know, they want to go in and uh, take an opportunity to uh, you know get some of these things. You know, big screen TVs, etc. Long story short, you do a run to own, and then you uh, at some point in time you own the uh, product and are able to keep it at your house. They have approximately 2,800 company-owned stores, and um, we also have these kiosks inside um, uh, electronics stores and things of that nature called Acceptance Now. And what this is is if you go into this third party and make a purchase, and you're like, well, we don't have the – you don't have the proper credit profile. Yeah. So, however, this Acceptance Now will allow you to do a rent-to-own. The problem is that they kind of in before had a it's kind of a skewed um, economics of this deal, but they fix that now. Long story short, this is a turnaround story in many ways, and we're dealing with a company that um, overall um, they have now the, the one caveat I'll put out to people: it's, there's a high debt position on here, seventy percent. But that's normal for a company that's in effect selling credit yeah, right. to, to finance yeah. that, right? So it's there's a high degree of debt. So uh, book value comes in around five bucks, just under five bucks. Stocks trading, um, I think, around thirteen. I want to say thirteen dollars, which uh, it has hit like three times and then kind of backed off, but. I think we're going to see this now with the fundamentals uh, starting to improve. Uh, the company now uh, having uh, generated some better sales um, sales numbers. Uh, we're seeing the stores perform better. And I think the big story here is operating margin and also on EBITDA and GAAP EPS. If you look at on an EPS basis, PE, this stock trades roughly for let's call it eleven times uh, eighteen numbers, which are anywhere from like a buck fifteen to a buck twenty on the street. Um, Two thousand nineteen numbers uh, look to be like in the buck eighty to a buck ninety range. So there is some uh, attractive PE valuation here. Um, their rent own portfolio is starting to grab better margins. Um, the store profile is starting to maintain a better control of their inventory. So net-net, this, uh, call it recalibration, if you will, will um, you know, start to create a better overall environment for the stores to be more profitable. So with that in mind, I would tell people, take a look at Rent-A-Center. I have a question, uh, though, yeah, if sure. I can interject. Yeah. I know that uh, uh, I'm just, and this is a little bit of cheating, Mm-hmm. You know, because I've got the internet here, yeah. and the value guys. You know, we had a policy years ago of not even going on the internet, but now it's right here, and it looks like there was some event in 2015 where uh, it looks like they divested something, sold something. Maybe it's a slightly different company now. Um, anything. Uh, that you can think of with regard to uh, what why, might why have do you changed. Say, why do you say that? Well, again, this is this is you know, I'm not going to the 
original docs, but mm-hmm. this suggests that something happened to the book value. Yeah, it blew in it up. 2015. Yeah, was they, that a big loss? Yeah, they it was had? a big loss. Oh. They just blew up the company. Remember, I told you they kind of yeah, got off the rails. Yeah, you mentioned that, so that's what so happened. So, what, what did they do? They just didn't get paid back on a bunch of stuff? Well, or you're right. I mean, they had, for example, these, um, um, these, um, call it, uh, acceptance now uh, <clears throat> program that they have. They literally bought the product at retail from the third party, okay? So there was a cost issue that they never really, you know, made uh, the proper amount of money on that product versus if they bought it wholesale from that third party, right? So, you know, there was a continued uh, bad economic policy. And they maybe didn't have the systems to know that. And now that guy's well, fired. they probably should have known it. Should've they known probably should have known. It. I think it was a management issue that <clears throat> that guy's derailed. gone now. Yep, new okay. management actually. So that's part of the yeah, story. Right. Here, we got a uh, new manager who was actually the one of the founders of the company's come back as the CEO. So uh, you know that his name is Mark Spies, and so I think you're going to see better overall controls on the store level, better o- overall controls on the acceptance now level. And uh, as they continue to kind of grind out the um, control on inventory and operating margin, uh, I think we'll see that uh, fall through to the bottom line. So with that in mind, this is a story that I think had, you know, been a very interesting platform that many people have shied away from that I'm telling you is probably not a bad look here. So, again, valuation on a multiple basis is, is very good. EBITDA basis is very good. So, uh, net-net, um, I think you'd see this thing trade in the upper teens and um, with from today's prices, uh, not bad. Okay. Rent a center. Right. Ticker. RCII. RCII. Very nice. Okay. Uh, this is um, Val. I have an idea now. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? I know it was here a moment ago. Okay, here we go. So, summarizing, big screen, 14 names come out. Four are retail. I'll just name them. Advanced Auto Parts, Dick's Sporting Goods, Foot Locker, Ross Stores. The market thinks these companies are literally going out of business, and they may be, so I'm not doing any of those. Advanced Auto was yeah. in the uh, Barron's this past weekend. Yeah, well... I do like that one, so I shouldn't say there. But some of these other things, Dick Sporting Goods, I'm just, over time, I think I'm worried about those big box guys, but what have you. In any case, I didn't do any of those. The next one up, this is a little twist on the Amazonization story that's affecting all these names that uh, people are worried about. It's Under Armour, ticker UA. What's going on with Under Armour? Well, I'll tell you, the stock is getting beat up, and uh, the market used to love it. Now the market doesn't love it. The stock had a high of, uh, let's see, where's my high-low here? Well, I do know it's within 20% of the low. Here we go. The high is 43. The stock's at 18. The 52-week high, 43, stock at 18. Great product. 52-week low, 17. Why? Well, I'm looking at the stats here, and I'll tell you what I see is that um, I don't see any hit to EPS, 
It's continuing to move a bit higher. I don't see any hit to book value. Book value is consistently moving up like a logarithmic function. Um, so that's not happening. Operating margin, very stable. It's not going anywhere. It's off the highs, but it's in line with where the margin was in 2010, 2011, um, and the stock was quite a bit higher there. Revenue continues to just march forward. Tick, tick, tick. There's no break in revenue. And yet market cap here has gone from, uh, well, a lot to not as much. Because there's, no, there's no numbers on here. Let me say, wait a minute. I can figure this out. <laughs> All right. I don't want to get too technical. But right now the market cap is $8 billion. I mean, you see auto. Look at right, this chart. Yeah. So it looks like it used to be maybe $20 billion. Now it's 8 The stock has been crushed. Um, enterprise value to EBITDA 10 times. It was probably 30 at one point. And, it's got to be a high-margin uh, business, too. What's that? It's got to be a pretty decent margin business. Uh, well, gross profit. Yes, you are right. Gross profit margin, 65%. Not seeing any break in that number. So what's going on? Why is the stock being crushed? The fear of Amazonization. How does that work? Well, because here's the thing. Everyone's concerned right now. Not only, well, Amazon is clearly chewing up all the commodities because they have efficient distribution. So if you're a commodity product and you can't get stuff to the customer in time, you're out of business. And it's affecting a lot of, lot of places. All the, no, am, know, wait a minute. You're, you're saying Under Armour. Wait, not, not Under Armour. Now, Under Armour is different. It's not a commodity. It's a brand. And the product that they sell, even if the underlying product is a bit of a commodity... They're, you know, taking their time to really invest in the brand. Everyone knows Under Armour. And then they infuse it with technology. It's almost a Nike-type company. In fact, I was noticing, um, you know, the, the CEO here, the founder, has had an obsession with beating Nike his whole life. And while Nike is just do it, what's Under Armour? Do you know? Um we did it. We, they've got a slogan. I mean, I'm <laughs> saying I don't know. It's very similar to that. I'm just going to type it know. in here. Under Armour, but it's a direct. It's a direct, um, you know, answer to Nike's slogan. And let me just. Sorry to take everyone's time. Again, just fast forward here. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. I will. That's their slogan. I will. I will. So right. Nike's just do it. But that could be a pretender hoping to maybe, oh, I'm just going to do it. These guys at Under Armour, they're committing to it. I will. I mean, I just think it's hilarious. So why is the stock getting beat up? Because, again, I think people think that Amazon's going to start putting private label stuff in there. They could buy some off-brand that's not doing well, like who knows who. And put or just call it, you know, make up a brand. This is Under Armour. Call it, uh, you know, what? Name something. On an Over Armour. You know, I don't know. There's going to be another name that a marketing guy is going to sell them, and then Amazon could come out with their own stuff. That's the fear. What I believe is that you just have to look to retail in America generally to see what happens with private label. It establishes a, a share, but it's never more than you know, 20, 30 percent, other than pure commodities, it gets up to 40, 50 percent. 
And so I think this is completely overdone at Under Armour. There's no crack in any of the fundamentals that matter. Return on assets, gross margin, return on capital, book value growth, all these kinds of things. It's 10 times EBITDA. That's 10% cash on cash return. And what's the growth rate here? Well, I don't know what it's going to be going forward, but they're putting up about a 6-7% growth rate right now. Uh, and so if that continues, you're looking at a mid to upper teens total return on, uh, on this stock. Under Armour, UA, auto. Well, that's, that's my that's my uh, number two recommendation. Today. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, we've all had Under Armour, right? We all wore yeah. Under Armour products, and they're great products to say the least. Um, so, but there is a, you know, one of the things that Under Armour has been pursuing is moving into the shoe arena. You know, come out with shoes and go head to head with Nike. So, you know, that's probably some concern for some investors. But for the most part, it's I think it's. It, it remains to be seen, but I will tell you, if you look at from the, on the um, athletic supply of shoes, um, actual athletic shoes, I'm talking football spikes, track, um, you know, they're making headway in a lot basketball. of baseball, basketball shoes. You know, I'm talking true athletic performance equipment, and they're making headway. And when you start making headway where it matters in the actual performance for those who actually – need to perform the pros get, yeah because they get paid for it yeah um it trickles down right because everybody wants to be like mike so it just yeah. um you know comes you know it will be remain to be seen i mean this has been a great a great story a great retail story probably one of the best retail stories in a long time so uh great pick well we'll see what happens it looks cheap here and uh that's why i like it okay well getting back to the wine um this is drinking wonderfully continuing to drink <laughs> wonderfully and um I got to say, it seems like the more you drink it, the more you like it. You know it. what? I'm going to go get it. I was drinking, you know, again, hard listeners. Liquor. He's yeah, drinking hard, hard liquor, liquor, by the way. Uh, but I'm going to go get a glass yeah, and to. Uh, switch to that. Okay. Because, and we've never had quite this level of, uh, in, you know, expertise on the show. Well, so I would call excited. it expertise. You know what well, compared to uh, Val, certainly. Oh, okay. I know nothing about it. But hold on. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Try, try to... Try to entertain everybody. Entertain? Okay. Yeah, do something well. Um, right back. So with that in mind, I mean, as we've been uh, moving along here in the show, we wanted to uh, go through and talk about one more name, and uh, that name is Patterson Energy, Patterson UTI Energy, symbol P10, P-T-E-N. Uh, market cap of this company is a little over $3 billion. Um, Debt is around 20% to capital. And this is an asset play. When you're dealing with commodities, it's an asset play because you're always buying, put it this way, you're buying um, commodity stocks when they are really not doing very well. You, you, need to, you need to be a little bit of faith to go out and find good companies with good management teams and this is a company which is one of the largest uh, contract uh, drillers out there um, and also one of the best what's called pressure pumping uh, operations out there as well. Now, when people look at these wells that are out there, you need these services to keep the oil flowing. And the equipment, the problem with many of these companies is when you have a boatload of equipment sitting idle, it's not a good thing. So what we're starting to see is utilization of equipment peak up. Now, many people are saying that with uh, demand, that oil 
uh, with supply rather, I'm sorry, with supply of oil, we'll start to see that wean down a little bit and we'll start to see overall rig count come down or at least stabilize. And, there, and obviously there's probably some truth to that, but make no mistake, if you look at some of the countries like India and China, um, demand keeps on percolating. So uh, we're not at electronic cars driving by themselves yet. So energy at 50 um, if you look at this company, as I mentioned, EBITDA uh, for uh, this year is uh, probably going to be running anywhere around 450 plus, to call it 500 million. 2018, I think you could probably touch uh, close to a billion. So with that in mind, you have a very strong story on EBITDA growth, and that's how these things trade. And if you basically do EV to EBITDA and you subtract your debt and you get to your equity value and these things trade on equity value. With the stock trading currently at $19, I think with energy giving any type of life and putting a pulse on it. And you never know what could happen in Venezuela. Venezuela is a rocky place right now. Well, there's a lot of places that uh, could have a problem that would spike oil. I mean, that's, that's the thing that seems odd to me because you're pricing in right now no disruptions, continued flow from uh, fracking in the U.S., which you could have regulatory problems, and these wells run shorter periods. They, they could just all start drying up fast. And we don't know that. It's, it's a new technology. So it's cool, but the long-lived uh, you know, capacity, we, we just don't know. And you could have a problem in the Middle East. You could have a problem in Russia. You could have a problem in China. You could have a problem in North Korea. You could have a problem in Venezuela. I, I just don't understand why energy prices aren't higher, I have to say, Otto. I do not. Well, you know, one of the things is, well, you know, to say about well uh, efficiency – They've been able to take wells and make a much, much, much better performing and producing uh, uh, assets. Old so, wells. Old wells. Yeah, old yeah. wells mm-hmm. and continuing to operate wells through horizontal drilling that has been just, you know, fracking has been just a, a, a literally technological inflection for uh, produ- productivity. So with that in mind, you know, we, we're at a supply-demand kind of crossroad here where people are saying that um, supply continues to outweigh demand. And with that in mind, oil prices will stay, you know, where they are, where they're at for a number of, re- for a number of years. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I will tell you that there's one thing that I think the street gets wrong more than they get right, and that's the direction of oil. I mean, they just can't seem to nail this thing down no matter what. When it looks the glummest, they tell you it's going to be glum forever. Yeah. When it looks the greatest, they tell you it's going to be great forever. Absolutely. So my opinion is start nitpicking away at some of these energy names. You don't stick to high-quality names. Patterson's a high-quality name. Um, I think it has some legs that can run this thing up into the 20s, you know, like mid-20s. Uh, like I said, the stock's trading at about 19. How's the balance sheet on that guy? Well, like I said, 20%. Oh, 20%. Debt to cap. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're, you know, good book value runs around $15. Stock's trading at 19 Wow. So, okay. you know, and that I mean, book probably includes the value of the reserves, right? Yeah, right? That's in there. No, no, this is a service company. Oh, it's a, it's a truly a service oh. company. Okay. So you know their their evaluation is strictly you know from the they from don't the have assets. any yeah. land or no. Okay. I, mean, I were, wasn't listening. Yeah. I apologize. I know you weren't listening. Just getting some wine, but by the way, can you pour me a little of that? I mean, you've been 
that's a wonderful oh, idea, yeah, but right, I'm like, hey, yeah. my glass is empty over here, and Otto's talking about a stock, which is fascinating, but I don't have any wine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Let's have a toast. Let's see oh, how this Salute. Is. Yeah. Mm. It is good. That's really nice. Yeah. No, it's it's like I said, it's it's a uh, outstanding. My uh, hats off to the people at House of Cards. They delivered. How would you uh, come across this? By? Um, you know, I I just uh, you travel out there all the time. Don't yeah, you? and I uh, actually um, just I just stumbled on this. Actually, I looked at the blend and um, I said, you know what, this is probably something that's you know worth a look, and um, I. Just you know, it's like sometimes you got to throw the throw the dice. You know, you never know what yeah. you're gonna get. Well, but nice. I was came away pretty impressed with this. So you know, for the price, it's a I think a very good. You'll never I don't think bring this to a party and have anybody go. Yeah. Man, this is not good. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know yeah. what I think's a really good value? No, a bottle of vodka. Now why would you say that? <laughs> just kidding. All right. Okay. So, so there you now go. What? Patterson. Are, okay. Yeah. Patterson. Uh, you know, is 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 I think a good play in the energy area. Uh, a strong uh, operator of drilling rigs, and I think continuing to uh, look at this from the standpoint at oil services companies, which have been at the forefront of um, of pressure on uh, on the energy uh, um, call. Um, we'll start to see that turn around. So if you get any type of rebound next year, these could be huge plays in um, in the energy. Uh, huge, the, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I, I've been nibbling myself. You know, I have a stock. I'll just say I own this. Drillquip, DRQ, and they reported some decent numbers today, but there's this backdrop of, you know, people like Morningstar saying oil will never trade above 50 again in our lives. And it got hit. And um, I also bought Rowan recently. Yeah, Rowan, Rowan good name. Is a good yeah, name. Good and name. you just drill quick. Gotta start. Name. Yeah, it's no debt. Yeah, There's right. no debt. Right. I mean, you gotta the thing start about looking at these. If you gotta, if you can make sure your company can wait it out, because right. what happens is, even if energy doesn't go up in value, if your company can wait it out, their competitors are going to go out of business, and then their share doubles, and they make more money. Then the stock goes up. So it's just being a survivor sometimes is the key to long-term returns. Right. So, um, okay, I've got one last one, Otto. And um, this came off the screen. As people hear me say, one of the great things about a screen is the stocks got through the screen. So they're cheap. They've got good balance sheets. They're covering their fixed charges. And so you can wait around for something good to happen. I haven't picked the retailers because I also am worried about what Amazon's going to do, just like we all had to worry about what Walmart was going to do. It's the same thing. All those downtowns that got beat up because of Walmart, if your retailer looks like a store that would be in a downtown, look out. That's all I'm going to say because the same thing's happening all over again. And the customer is getting enormous convenience by just staying home. Um, so the things that um, will continue to be differentiated are those things that, you know, you don't benefit by sitting at home and having something delivered. So a part that goes into a complicated machine, Amazon's not going to get that. So that was the idea behind um, uh, MSM. 
or MSC Industrial, Under Armour's a brand. The third one this week is also a distributor that's being in the marketplace Amazonized because the stock's been, I don't think I pronounced that properly, the stock's been beat up. But I think that there is an opportunity for this one to do well in the same way that MSC does well. This is called Avnet, ticker AVT, and whereas MSC dis distributes industrial parts and helps people with those, Avnet historically does electronic parts, particularly connectors, things that connect, um, you know, uh, different components in an electronics machine. And then they generally create something that's a standard around those connectors. So, I mean, the most simple connector is a plug that goes in a wall, and obviously if you own the patent around that shape, you're going to have a lot of share in the whole plug business. So the things that they do are obviously shorter runs, but it's the same idea. If they can design in a certain shape, a certain design, a certain type of connector that their machine has to, you know, be purchased, they make money. And they also um, are a distributor for, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure thousands of suppliers, and they help people to, um, uh, to organize those products into some type of product, so they have, automotive and yeah. I mean, uh, they have they have engineers on staff to help people create things out of all the parts that they can offer. And again, that's something that Amazon doesn't do. Amazon sells things you already know how to use. Avnet sells things that are very complicated and then helps you design them into your product. And then they try to get some you know, some proprietary element of it, which is a rare thing, but valuable when they can do it. I bought a coffee grinder on Amazon. Coffee grinder? Yeah. Well, of course, that's going to be Amazon. Right. You don't need... So I'm just, I'm just thinking of this here on the show, listeners are... But what does Amazon do well? Things you already know how to work. I didn't know how to work it. You don't know how to work a coffee grinder? Not this one. This one's well, unbelievable. What, you okay, should see this. How thing. many steps are there to that? Like a few... Like probably two. Okay, so do you have? Uh, you're married, right? Yeah, I yeah. Am. Wives yeah. know how to do that sort of right. stuff. Um, okay, this is much more complicated than a coffee grinder. I mean, they may even sell a coffee grinder. I shouldn't say I didn't. I did as little work as possible this week, but I've known Avnet a long time, and most of what they do is state of the art electronic components that they're sourcing from thousands of suppliers, and they're undoubtedly have thousands of customers so they're the hub for um you know finding the right components to create some new product some new idea that some guy has um and they've been doing it well for years and years so here's the idea the stock is cheap as i said it's in the lower 20 percent of where it's been trading the high for the year is uh where the heck oh here we go 52-week high, 51. The stock's at 38. 52-week low is 35. So it trades in a bit of a narrow band, but that's just because it's such a high-quality company. The Altman score, which I haven't talked about today, but that's a predictor of bankruptcy. It's nearly five, which means the likelihood of bankruptcy is very low. The debt-to-capital, uh, let's see. Had it here a minute ago. Oh, here think we go. It would be much. What's that? I wouldn't think it would be much. Well, you wouldn't think so, but again, that's the thing. When stocks are cheap, you just want to make sure that you've got the staying power, and these guys clearly do. Um, 
There's a debt to capital number here that I'm not finding. Their margin, now here's the thing you got to be careful about with these distributors. Their gross margin is 14%. To most people, yeah. that sounds really low. Sounds low. But bear in mind, their service has really nothing to do with the price of the end product. But the way they account for it is they buy it, move it through their factory, they take a little bit of a markup, and that's how you get to 14%. What I think of it as, if you're a real estate firm, you take a 7% commission, <clears throat> that's a good business. It's very stable. These guys take a 14% commission on the products that just move through their warehouse. And then when they show a 6% profit margin on a 14% gross margin, you know what that means? It means they really have a 40% profit margin on their fee, which means they're enormously profitable. So um, I think sometimes distributors, people get caught up in the low margin, but if you just think about that as a service fee, um, the economics kind of snap into place. The enterprise value to EBITDA here, six times. That's the best thing about this. One over six, and I don't have a calculator, but that's 16%. So there's a 16% cash-on-cash return with Avnet, and you're going to get a little bit of growth. I always assume it's going to be GDP or worse, but the truth is is that there's a consolidation going on in the well, in, in the economy, for people that are better, faster, cheaper, understand economics, understand productivity, and Avnet is certainly one of those guys. So the only thing I really want to say about it is that um, they are a little bit cash flow negative, in part because one of the things distributors do is they fund the inventory of their clients. Nothing to be alarmed about in any way. That's part of their function, but if you're looking at it, just note that. That's pretty traditional for distributors. They also have a little bit of a yield here. Dividend yield is 1.9. That's right in line with the uh, Russell 3000. Um, but the most attractive thing here is they're going to grow with GDP. The thesis here is uh, the U.S. economy is going to be good. We have low fuel prices. We have labor at parity with um, emerging economies like China and um, you know, we have a, uh, a, a strong um, middle class that continues to increase its purchases each year. And that's so we're looking better than almost any other nation. These guys are distributing um, into that marketplace at a 16% cash on cash return. I like that a lot. I think this could be a 15 to 20% return over the next three to five years, Otto. I really think that people should take a look. That's Avnet. Ticker AVT. Wow. There you yeah. Go. There you go. Wow. So now okay. we, have, we have time to talk about nothing. Well, you know what? I um, I have a couple other things I could talk about unless you wanted to talk about something. No. If you have something important. Well, I had one other idea I just wanted to throw out quickly. I call it a blue plate special because I've done really so little work on it. <clears throat> but it's Akamai, A-K-A-M. They, uh, they sell cloud-based services. The stock is um, 10 times EBITDA. That's a 10% cash-on-cash return, 20% debt to capital, 20, 200 times interest earned, and gross profit here also 65%. I think that um, I don't want to get all into it, but the stock's had a tough quarter. 
uh, the market is down, you know, it's taken this thing down about 25%, and yet cloud is gaining share every day. People are figuring out they shouldn't have all their stuff on their hard drive. They're putting it up into the cloud. So I didn't do any work on this, but it just struck me. It's one of the 14 that got through the screen. This company is super high quality, and, uh, and they just right now have some you know, bad expectations around the near term. So I just take a look at it, Akamai. Um, now, the only other thing I wanted to talk about today, Otto, let's see how much time. I really need to get going, actually. What time is it? I mean, the show is 51 minutes long. I mean, does anyone even care to listen to anymore? We have two minutes. Okay, well, minutes. let me do a couple of minutes. Right, yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. We do uh, a little piece on the economy, walking through national economic trends. I don't have that publication anymore because they stopped printing it, but I do have it online here. Wait, printing it? You mean actually printing it? Used it used to be a publication. You'd get no. it in the mail. Now it's online here. I can't even draw on here. But if you go to uh, research.stlouisfed.org, they still have national economic trends, economy at a glance. And this is a great place for people who, you know, do other things to go and see what the heck's going on. The Chica- I think the Chicago Fed does the same thing. Well, Chicago it? Fed, but the St. Louis Fed is really the one that's doing all these great publications. And so I'm just going to breeze through here super fast speed because I need to go. I'm a little bit hungry. Okay, GDP on an uptrend, okay? First quarter, you know, was the bottom of a three-quarter downtrend. Now we're back up. We're running at about a two-and-a-half percent annual rate. Population grows about two. Everyone's worried about productivity. I think it's mismeasured. This is a great statistic. Uh, it shows that uh, we're, you know, we're in a good spot on GDP. Consumer price index, there's no inflation, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because baby boomers have a lot of money. They don't like buying anything, and they're cheap. We all know that. And they're just, they're just hanging on to their money. And they're not earning enough in the bank to buy anything. Inflation is going to stay low a long time. That's kind of good in an odd way. Industrial production, it's starting to have some spikiness to it. And I think low fuel, parity of labor, low interest rates, the U.S. economy is about to really start doing well. Um, Unemployment's very low. We all know that. Let's see here. I'm just breezing through here. I haven't studied any of this, of course, recently. Industrial production, looking good. Again, I'm very optimistic right now. Um, farm out, Non-farm hours work. This is sort of a key indicator in terms of what businesses think. They don't have to buy labor, but they're doing that. Inventories are in check, so that's very good for the economy. I don't know, Otto. I'm about to have a heart attack. I'm so excited about the economy. Oh, you're just, I can tell. You're I know. just like bubbling the, with excitement. Could be the wine. Okay. Well, is that pretty much it? It's pretty much. So I'm going to summarize. We've got a bunch of great stock ideas. I just want to recap. My favorite this week, and this is for Phil. He likes to have a favorite. It's going to be MSC Industrial Ticker, MSM, and then... Otto, I don't know if you have a favorite or do you have some closing uh, nah, remarks? No, I'm, I'm right on the same. Now, I'm pretty much done. I mean, I'm getting to the end of this bottle, and um, you got my two names. Really don't need any more than that, and thanks for listening. How about that for a conclusion? Perfect. Just shut it down. All right. Bye.